Uh, I want to begin our time together today by reading what uh, what is perhaps the most famous, most uh, familiar passage that describes the early church. So uh, go ahead and open your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. Uh, while you're doing that, I just want to say welcome to church. Uh, welcome to church. Welcome to Mount Pleasant. Like Whitney said in the video, my name is Andrew Philbeck. I'm the group's pastor here at Mount Pleasant. I'm excited that I get the opportunity to be here with you today. I'll open it when I need it. Um, I actually asked if I could preach this weekend uh, because, like she said in the video, and maybe some of you have seen as you walked in this morning, we have our group registration going on right now in the commons. We have tables set up for home groups, women's groups, soul care groups. Uh, things like that, and this is a great way for you to get connected to a group. So I just want to say again, if you're interested in signing up or just asking questions, we're going to be out there uh, between services, before services, after services, all that stuff this weekend and next weekend. Uh, we'd love to talk with you about uh, anything and everything related to groups here at Mount Pleasant. Um, <clears throat> well, I wanted to talk about the importance of community as kind of a plug for the group registration, of course, but also because community is such a vital part of who we are called to be as followers of Christ, and community is such an important part of what we want you to experience here at Mount Pleasant, and I think it's worth spending some time talking about on its own, uh, just for its own sake. Uh, well, I think I've given everyone enough time to uh, find our passage, so uh, let's begin our time together as we do each week with the reading of God's Word. If you're able Please stand with me uh, for our reading today. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, we're going to be looking at a lot of different passages in our time together today. This is not going to be a verse-by-verse -verse study of this passage in Acts, but I wanted to begin by reading this because it is familiar, but because it's powerful and because it can serve as uh, sort of a foundation for everything else that we're going to talk about. It can always kind of be there in the back of your mind. So um, I'm going to begin in Acts 2, verse 41. This is right after Peter finishes his uh, sermon. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Thank you. You may be seated. We always ask for God to bless the reading and the hearing of his word. I think community is a unique topic because it's one of the few things that I really believe everyone is in favor of. You know, you might be a little more introverted. You might be the type of person that likes to have, you know, time to themselves, and I completely understand that. But I think that we all appreciate uh, what community offers, the value of community, the value of having close relationships with others, people you can talk to, people you can trust, people you can count on, things of that nature. And what we're focusing on in our time together today is, of course, biblical community. Uh, 
Uh, and in many ways, it's going to act like and look like uh, lots of other types of community. Uh, but what sets the different types of communities apart are not necessarily the people that are involved in them or even the experiences they have. What really sets them apart is the foundation that they are built on. You know, why do you get together in the first place? What do you have in common with each other? This is why I think communities uh, in all shapes and sizes have several things in common. Uh, But I do think there is something uh, unique and something important that sets apart what I'm just going to call a Christian community, biblical community, like I said. Uh, it's going to be a topical message. Like I said, we're not going verse by verse through a passage. So we're just going to look at three different things in our time together today. We're going to look at the call of community. We're going to look at the cost of community. And finally, we're going to end by talking a little bit about the coming community. Uh, because I went a little bit long last night, uh, we're going to go ahead and jump right in. So number one, the call of community. If you like to take notes, you can write that down. If you don't, that's fine. You can just remember that. The call of community. What do I mean when I say this? To be perfectly honest, I believe that each and every person, all of us have an innate desire for community in our hearts. I believe it is something that calls to us. That's why I use that language. I believe it's something that we long for. We long for connection. We long for relationship. We long for a tribe of our own. There's all sorts of buzzwords that you can use, that I can use, that I'm sure you've heard uh, to describe these things. But essentially, they're all talking about and they're all pointing to community. This desire to be a part of a community. And again, like I said, this is one of those things that few people uh, just sort of offhandedly, you know, uh, reject We may be critical of certain types of communities. We probably don't want to be a part of every type of community that we come into contact with. But when we find, you know, what we might just call our people, there's great value in that. It's a wonderful feeling. You know, we're not alone. We belong. Why is this? Why do we have this call? It's probably not going to be a surprise to anyone today for me to say that I believe we have this calling for community because of our creator, because of our creator. I began going through a a new devotional at the beginning of the year. I'm sure many of you do that. I haven't uh, haven't done the read through the Bible in a year for a while. It's it's January 15th, so I hope those of you who are doing that are still going strong. Uh, Usually you're doing pretty good until you get to Leviticus, so we can talk when that happens, I guess. Um, But I'm going through a devotion. It's it's a year-long devotion uh, called Core 52 by uh, Mark Moore. I'm sure many of you have heard of that, probably even done it. It's not like brand new or anything. It's been out for a little bit. So some of you have probably even done that before. He's a pastor on staff at Christ Church of the Valley in Arizona. Uh, For years before that, he was a professor at Ozark Christian College, and he would always speak at CIY, uh, Christ in Youth Events, and heard him talk several times uh, growing up as a kid. Well, I was reading through this devotion, and in the second week, he was spending some time talking about our identity, and he tied it all back to the idea of community, and I really liked what he had to say, and I wanted to share some of it with you today. And this is what he writes. He says, since God is in community, so are we. We'll never know our true selves in isolation. We know ourselves to the extent that we are known. All of us are the sum of our relationships. He says, our radical individualism is a denial of our true identity. God created us to be in community and for community. 
Now, I really appreciate everything that I shared with you. I appreciate, you know, there's more in the devotion than I appreciate it, but I couldn't share everything with you today or the whole sermon would have just been me reading uh, from his book. And I did it and didn't want to do that. Um, but I just wanted you to think just for a moment about the last line in that quote and ask yourself this question. Am I in community and am I for community? Are you in community and are you for community? His words, they, they speak to this call that we all have inside of ourselves. And this is something that we don't just see or hear about from, from preachers and professors. This is something that we see in scripture time and again. And uh, the truth is there's so much that the Bible says about community uh, that obviously couldn't have time, didn't have time to talk about all that today. I just wanna give you three uh, Three real quick examples from scripture, three different scriptures that kind of talk about this and point to this. Uh, the first one is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Uh, Paul writes, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. That's a call for community. It's a call for community. You know, what unites us? What, what's our purpose? What do we have in common? That's our community. First John chapter one, verse seven, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's a description of community. We're gonna talk a little bit more in a few minutes about fellowship. It's a, it's a church word, but it's a word that you've probably heard many, many times if you've spent uh, pretty much any length of time in church, especially Mount Pleasant. That's a description of what community is, fellowship with one another because of our relationship with Jesus. Romans 14, verse 19, so then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. It's just a small piece of what we should be doing in community. There's so, much, there's so much that community calls us to experience and to do uh, with one another and for one another. This is just a really small piece, but I love it uh, because just the idea of encouraging each other, building each other up. You know, how often do we experience that? How often do we really get to do that? Well, that's what we should do within community. And listen, those are, like I said, real, uh, just three real quick examples. And obviously I believe we should pay attention to them. We should value them. There's so much more that we should uh, focus on and, and study. Um, but I really believe the most valuable thing that we need to be aware of when it comes to this innate desire that I believe we have within ourselves for community is the fact that we have this because of the example of our creator, because we are created in the image of God. It's not just from the early church. It's not just uh, from personal experience. It's not just because, you know, we read it in a book somewhere. It's because of Jesus. When I say this, I'm talking about the community that he experiences with God the Father and God the Spirit. Just a few, uh, again, just a few real quick examples. This are, these are all specifically his relationship with uh, God the Father. John chapter 10, verse 30. The Father and I are one. The Father and I are one. That's community, that's relationship, that's connection. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. I'm not spending a lot of time on these this morning, but you know, when you read John 1.1 1, 1 and you read, that, you read the word word, uh, it's a reference to Jesus. 
John 14, 8 and 9, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Our goal, our goal in life should to daily become more and more like Jesus. Every single day, we should strive to become more and more like Jesus. But we have to make sure that when we say that, we don't minimize the perfection of Jesus and the desire to be like Jesus into just a set of what I would call behavioral norms. And what I mean is I think for a lot of people, even people in the church, people with the best of intentions, when they say they want to be like Jesus, what they focus on is the idea of perfect behavior. I want to be like Jesus because I don't want to sin anymore. It's this idea of sinning less. And listen, of course, of course that's a good thing. Of course I'm not gonna stand up here and say, oh, don't worry about that. That's not a big deal. Don't worry about that. I'm not gonna say that. that that's, a, that's a big thing. That's an important thing. But I think when we think about being like Jesus and we minimize that to just perfect behavior, we miss the fuller picture of who he is. You know, we miss and, and we don't pay attention to the humility, the, the thankfulness, the compassion, the service, the selflessness, the obedience, the community, all of these things, just to name a few. They were just as much a part of him and his perfection in his time on this earth as was his perfect behavior. And we're gonna see this again a little bit later in our time together, but right now what I want you to do is I want you to just think about the fact that we have this call of community inside of us, not because the Bible tells us it's a good idea, but because we are created in the image of God who experiences perfect community, and that's what he wants us. That's what he wants us to experience. It means that there is inherent value in being a part of a community. And this is why I really believe every single person, no matter who they are, no matter where they live, no matter what they do with their lives, why they all long for community, whether they are in church or not. We long to be a part of a group, a tribe, a place to belong. You know, whatever you want to say. Community offers us the opportunity to know others and to be known by others. It offers us a place where we can, a place where we can be our true selves, where we can take a deep breath and relax because we don't have to worry about every little thing that we say and do all the time and worry that that might break this or ruin that because we know that what ties us together is deeper and it's more lasting. It stands the test of time. When I think about community in my own life, I have a lot of different examples, a lot of different relationships that I could talk about. I could talk about my wife. I could talk about my family. Um, but because, you know, because we're talking about our community as believers and, you know, uh, the, the, the relationships we have with each other and the different things like that and the different groups that you can be a part of today, I thought about just talking about community that I experience with friends, uh, when I was seven years old, my family moved from Houston, Texas to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And we found a neighborhood that uh, we bought a house in and, and we lived in that same house for uh, just about 10 years until we moved here. And across the street uh, from me lived a kid named Lee. Now, we were the same age, lived in the same neighborhood, so we were obviously part of the same school system. For a while, we played on the same sports team. And you know, wouldn't you know it, two seven-year-old boys who basically did everything together, we became friends. It's hard to believe. 
Well, over the next almost 10 years, our friendship deepened. You know, we shared life together. We grew up together. We had experiences together. And, and, and here's why I share this with you. And I hope that you have, you know, friends like this in your lives as well. Even though now we live about 10 hours away from each other and sometimes years pass between uh, the times that we're able to get together in person, I still have community when I'm with him. And I know that he still has community when he's with me. And I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm about to say. We have community with each other because we can be ourselves around each other. I don't know if this is a dangerous thing for me to say from the stage or not today, but you know, I have community with my friend Lee because I can be myself around him. And all I mean when I say that, honestly, is that, you know, to him, I'm not Pastor Philbeck. I'm just Andrew. I'm just the kid that lived across the street from him that used to come over and knock on his door all the time, asking to play football or video games or anything like that. And because that's, that was the way that our relationship started, it's the way that it has progressed. And we have a shared experiences and we have shared faith and we have uh, you know, so many things in common that we still experience community today. We have a call for community inside of us because we want to know others and to be known by others. And when the foundation of our community is not something superficial, like where we work or what sports team we cheer for or anything like that, it has... You know, not just lasting power in terms of this world, it has eternal power, staying power in our lives. My faith in Christ is the deepest, truest part of my identity. It should be that way for all of us. I hope that it is. And when that's the case, we can have community with anyone else who shares that faith, regardless of of race, class, gender, any kind of category you want to create, any kind of thing that people use to sort of separate themselves or set themselves apart, no matter what it is, how powerful it is, how superficial it is, no matter what. Because when our faith in Christ is the, the foundation for our community, it binds us together in a way that nothing else can. And it doesn't erase all of those other things, but it outweighs them so that we're not put off by something like that. It's an important thing for us to recognize. This is what we were created for. This is the type of community that we see in God. It's the type of community that Jesus calls us to. It's what our hearts long for. And the second thing we need to talk about, though, when we talk about community is the cost of community. The cost of community. And the first thing that I want us to really understand about this, the first thing that I want to say, it's not from a passage in the Bible. It's not a scripture or anything like that. It's not even very clever. I'll be completely honest about that. But at the same time, I believe it's so important. It's so vital that we need to recognize it. And if we want to be people of community, we need to recognize it today. And we need to remind ourselves of it day after day after day. And it's simply this. You get out of community what you put into community. I really believe that. You get out of community what you put into community. This is because to live in community, to grow in community, to become more like Jesus in community, it's not done by watching. It's not done by sitting on the sidelines. How, if I were to, to come up to you today, or if you just want to spend a, a quick moment uh, where you are right now, uh, thinking about this, you know, how would you answer this question? How do you know that you're in community with someone or with a group of people? How do you know? Is it by your attendance or is it by your involvement? And those are not the same thing. 
just in case you were wondering? Is it by your attendance or by your involvement? It's not going to happen if you're just sitting and watching. When my, uh, when my family uh, lived in Oklahoma before we moved here, and I promise this is my last my family moved story today, so don't worry, they're not going to keep coming up. But when we lived in Oklahoma, when I lived in Oklahoma, my dad used to take me to uh, a lot of the high school basketball games, a lot of the high school football games for uh, the school system that we were a part of, the Broken Arrow School System, the largest high school in the state of Oklahoma. And I really enjoyed that. I would always see friends there, and it was, it was a great experience. And as I got older, I kept doing those things, and I would do them on my own with my own friends, and it became even more of an enjoyable experience because as I grew up, you know, I started to know people who were playing on the basketball team and playing on the football team. I even went to uh, some high school marching band competitions to support some of my friends who uh, were involved in that. You know, high school sports, they're a pretty big deal in most places, and I'm sure you know that. It wasn't any different where we grew up, where I grew up. I guess I should say it like that in Oklahoma. Well, fast forward, you know, a few years, my family moves here about a month and a half before my 17th birthday, and I'm not going to dwell on this, but I'll just say what everybody's thinking. I wasn't exactly thrilled about it. So we moved to Greenwood, Indiana. I get involved in the Center Grove school system, but here's the deal. I don't go to any football games. I don't go to any basketball games. I know you're on the edge of your seats this morning. I didn't go to any marching band competitions either. But here's the deal. The only reason I share that with you today is just to ask you this question, simple question. Where do you think I experienced more community? Where do you think I experienced more community? Where I actively didn't do anything or where I was involved? The level of community that I experienced uh, right after we moved to Indiana, it wasn't based on the quality of the events here. It wasn't based on the kindness of the people here because we have great events here. We have great people here. All that stuff is true. It was directly related to my own level of involvement. I got out of community what I put into community. On some level, it's just that simple. Okay? You ever do anything foolish as a 17-year-old kid? I didn't want to be involved. So you know what? I wasn't. You can't experience community on the sidelines. You can't experience community on the sidelines. You know, we talked about the call of community. And one of the reasons that we have that call to community is because of what it offers, that opportunity to be known. But we can't talk about that as if there's not a cost involved. What we're looking at right now is just the reality of what community requires. It requires involvement, not attendance. And here's the deal. Again, I really believe this. We all know this is true. I really believe that. You know, we may not want to admit to ourselves how much it requires at times, how, how involved we have to be at times, but we all know this is true. But it's difficult for many of us to do this, especially consistently, because what it means is that if I want to be involved in community, I have to give up my time. I probably need to open up and share my home. I have to open up and share my life with other people. And that's not always something that I want to do. So what happens far too often is we settle for other types of community other types of community that are not rooted in Christ. So, you know, we have a work community. We have a sports community. Uh, we have all sorts of community. And listen, I'm not going to say that these are wrong or bad or anything like that. I think that a lot of these are good. And like I said earlier, 
usually the different types of communities that we're involved in, they have lots of things that overlap with each other. But when these are your only types of community, when these are your only connections, your only relationships, I really believe that at best you're going to experience a part of what community has to offer, but not the whole, not the whole of what it really should be. This is because I really believe that there is a difference between an eternal community rooted in an eternal God and one that is based on where we grew up or what school we graduated from or what sports team we cheer for or any of those other things. I want us to go back to our text that I read a moment ago in Acts chapter 2 because I believe that we see a a really important picture uh, that helps us understand and identify this cost of community a little bit more. Uh, It's going to be on the screen so you don't have to turn there or anything. I'm going to read the whole passage again and then we're just going to focus on uh, one, uh, one part of it. So again, Acts 2, starting in verse 41, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing uh, in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And this is what I want us to really pay attention to. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions. They shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now obviously it was just that section in yellow that I wanted you to really pay attention to, but I love that whole passage. So I wanted to read it one more time uh, together today. Uh, But I love that section in yellow because it shows us a little bit of what this community cost them. We see that they shared their possessions. They shared everything they had. They shared their money, shared the money with those in need, shared their time. They worshiped together at the temple each day, each day. They shared their homes, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their food, shared their meals. Listen, here's the deal. I don't want you to look at this today and think, okay, well, I'm doing three out of five, so maybe I can do a little bit better. Or I'm doing four out of five, so I'm doing pretty good. You know, that's not what I want you to see. What I want you to do is I want you to look at this and recognize the bigger picture that it paints of active involvement in each other's lives active, consistent involvement in each other's lives to the point where they know each other, they share with each other, they're excited to be together with each other. That's what community, that's what community is. And this, this community, it cost them, it cost them time, it cost them money, it cost them space, all of these things. It's because you can't experience community just by sitting on the sidelines. The Bible uses the Greek word koinonia to describe fellowship within the church, within the body of Christ. It literally means association, community, communion. It's what happens when you you participate with others in a common purpose. That's why I talked in the the beginning of our time together today. What are the things that bind you to to the different communities that you have? What do you have in common? What do you stand on? What's the foundation that these things are built on? How important are they? How, how long will they really last? And this is why. This is why we really can. We can experience community with a team of people, whether it's through work or sports or anything like that. But like I said before, I really believe it's going to be just a part, but not the whole. 
However, when we join together in in the common purpose of worshiping God and and daily becoming more and more like Jesus, we we build each other up. We we serve one another. We share our burdens with one another. We can be real with one another. It's an incredible thing. It's a life-changing thing. But there's a cost involved. There's an authenticity that this requires, an openness Several months ago, it was just a, a regular Saturday. My family wasn't doing anything. We were just laying around the house, and the doorbell rang. Um, my youngest son, Wyatt, he's six years old. He was the first one to the door. He opened the door and just screamed at the top of his lungs. It was, a, it was a happy scream. It wasn't a scary scream or anything like that. He screamed at the top of his lungs. And he goes, it's my very best friend. Um, you know, which I'm sure it's been a long time since any of us felt that way when we opened the door for anyone. Um, maybe not for you. I know it's been that way for me. Sorry for anyone who's come over to my house before. Um, but he just screamed, it's my very best friend. It's his friend uh, that he has. Uh, they go to, his family goes to church here. He's in the same class at school, and they live in our neighborhood. And uh, him and his mom and his younger sister had rid, rode their bikes over to our house. Well, you know, he's six, my son is white. He's six years old. So immediately, his very best friend shows up. Come in. Let's go to my room. Let's play this. Let's do that. You know, it all sounds great. Except the problem is, you know, it was a lazy Saturday, and I don't know what that means for you, but what it means for me is that I was laying around in sweatpants and a t-shirt. My wife was folding, I think, you know, two weeks of laundry, you know, in our house, just sitting on the couch. My kids were all laying around still in their pajamas, even though it was like two o'clock in the afternoon, you know, and there's just stuff everywhere. I'm sure that no one, no one else's house ever looks like that. And so it's this, this moment of hesitation of like, you know, how friendly do we really want to be today? You know, how welcoming do we, do we really want to be? Um, yeah, you, why don't you play in the backyard? Or what if we went down to the park, you know? And he said, yeah, come on inside, it's fine. First thing we said, as you can imagine, was sorry that the house looks like this. Well, Wyatt's, uh, his, his friend, his, his mom, his little sister come in, and the first thing that, that uh, his mom said to us uh, was basically like, you know what, it's actually kind of refreshing. Listen, I'm not trying to make that story mean more than it does. I'm really not, but... I'm also not going to stand up here and pretend like it doesn't mean anything. I'm not going to do that. Little moments of authenticity, moments that cost us our appearance or, you know, the perception that we want to put out to the world around us. These things are the price we pay for community. And when we experience these moments together, we realize that we're not alone in them. I'm not the only one whose house looks like that sometimes. It's just the reality. It's the cost of involvement. All right, the last thing that I want to talk about, number three, number three, the coming, the coming community, the coming community. Listen, we can't talk about, we can't talk about community. We can't talk about fellowship. We can't talk about relationship. We can't talk about any of these things without talking about the gospel, without talking about the gospel, the good news of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And just like I said earlier in our time together today, that, that sometimes what can happen when we say we want to be like Jesus is that we, we boil that down to just really a set of behaviors where we don't want to do this or we don't want to do that anymore. And again, that's not a bad thing, but it's not the whole picture as well. Well, the same thing can happen when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to the good news, you know, we need to make sure that our desire to, to live out and experience and share the gospel appreciates the fullest picture of what that is and what that means. 
You know, yes, we understand that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Yes, he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And now we can look forward to a life in heaven because of that. But just like we can't look at the perfection of Jesus and make it all about our behavior, neither should we look at the gospel and make it all about our destination. Jesus experienced what only we should have experienced on the cross so that we can experience what only he should experience. And we really need to kind of think about that for a moment. Think about, think about this. What punishment did Jesus experience on the cross? What did Jesus lose on the cross? What he experienced, what he lost, was a loss of community. He experienced complete and utter separation from the Father. He did this because of our sin. He experienced complete separation, a complete breaking of fellowship between him and the Father. And when we realize that, what it should make us do, one of the things it should make us do is look at the cross and recognize that what motivated Jesus was relationship, was community. Because without his death in our place, without that sacrifice, we are lost forever, completely separated from God. No fellowship, no community, no belonging, no home. I mean, just to really appreciate this, look, look at these words. We, we actually read these words last weekend. John 17, 20 through 23. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that, they, and that you love them as much as you love me. Listen, when fellowship is broken... The amount that it hurts depends on the relationship that's broken. And just, it's real simple. If you have, you know, someone in your life that's just an acquaintance, you know, you make small talk with them, you know, whatever, but it's not, a, it's not real deep. And they come up to you one day and they say, I don't ever want to see you again. I don't ever want to talk to you again. Well, it's probably going to hurt. It's going to be surprising, most likely. You might get defensive. You might even get angry. But if it's someone that you consider to be your very best friend, or if it's a family member, if it's a parent or a child or a spouse, the pain of that moment, of that experience, it's not even gonna compare. So we look at Jesus in the garden and we see him say to God, you and I are one. And then we look at Jesus on the cross and he says, why have you forsaken me? He experienced a broken relationship with God so that you, can, you and I can have a restored, a renewed relationship with God. He was separated with God so you and I would be connected with God, never to be separated. We know how much, listen, this is, this is one of those things. I, I feel like I've been saying this a lot today. This is one of those things that we know is true. We know how much something matters by how much we're willing to sacrifice for it. By how much we're willing to sacrifice for it. Our relationship with God, our community, eternal community with God and with each other was so important that Jesus sacrificed his community for it. 
You know, when we talk, when we talk about community and why it matters and why we need it, why it's even possible, we have to look to Jesus. We have to recognize that the gospel changes everything. It changes our standing before God because it changes our relationship with God. And this type of love, this type of community is the type of community that Jesus wants for all of us. And here's the deal. We don't have to wait. We don't have to just sit around and wait for this community to experience this because of his sacrifice, because of the gospel, because when we accept Jesus as our savior, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We can begin to experience the community to come right now. And the people that we experience community with today when it is based on the gospel are the same people that we can experience community with for all eternity. It's an incredible thing to look forward to. I, was a, I want to read one more passage. It's not, uh, it's not on the screen, but it's just a picture. It's, just, it's, it's a picture of this community from the book of Revelation. Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10. Just listen. After, I saw, after this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language. Standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb, they were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Every nation, every tribe and people and every language. That's because when our foundation, when our community is built on the gospel, we don't lose that stuff but it, it doesn't become something that separates us. We're able to rejoice in it because of our connection that outweighs all of that other stuff that we have. I just want to share one more quote with you, uh, one quote before I pray, and we, we sing one more song. It's from uh, a pastor named Erwin Entz. He says, Humanity as the image of God is stamped from the beginning for beautiful community. That is, we're marked out for a God-glorifying life of unity and diversity. This is where God is taking humanity. We're fractured and divided, but he's going to knit the human race together under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And the church is called to pursue beautiful community as a witness to the world. Experiencing community means experiencing a sense of belonging, of welcome and embrace, a sense of being at home. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for what you offer us. Thank you so much for the sacrifice of Jesus. Thank you for the chance that we have to experience, to begin to experience community today that will last literally forever. Help us to not minimize that or to dismiss it or put it off. Help us to embrace the community that you want for us. We love you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.